Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you again for camp meeting and all the different stuff that we can learn here. And we want to thank you that we have the opportunity to look into this stuff today. We're going to look at fire and uh, how to how we can get fire even if we don't have a match. So we want you to come here and be with us and uh, put a smile on our face and help us to learn things today. That's what we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, today is the day when uh, usually when I cover this subject, everybody goes, ooh and ah. Okay, because how do you start a fire if you don't have a match? Now, <clears throat> you know, we already talked about, um, you know, God's people are going to get the signal from the Holy Spirit and they're just going to leave. And uh, we kind of set a little urgency there because Jesus told us it was urgent. So if you're on your housetop, you're not even going to go and get stuff. If you're out in your field, you're not going to go back. And uh, we kind of learned why there's an urgency today in that we know that they can shut a whole city down in 10 minutes. Okay, if that God knows that they're going to shut that city down, he's going to say, you need to get out now. And if you, if you move now, you'll get out in time. Okay. And uh, so when that happens, you may not even have a chance to go get some matches or even a fire starter or whatever. And if you're out there in the wilderness, uh, well, how in the world am I going to purify my water and cook my stuff? And, you know, so today we're actually going to go over different techniques. Now, today we're only going to be able to just scratch the surface. Okay, we're going to. You know, you're going to want a big drink and we're just going to watch your whistle, they call it, you know. And uh, there are several areas that have lots of different kinds of fire in each area. And uh, we'll cover some of the areas. Um, we're, we're going to look at solar just a little bit. Okay, there's a bunch of things you can do solar-wise with the sun. And, uh, you know, you can do chemical, and normally I don't even cover chemical when I'm doing wilderness survival because the stuff you need to do it, the chances of you getting it is 0.99%. So I didn't even cover that in that. Um, <clears throat> there's electrical. Now there are some things. We're not going to touch on that today, but usually, uh, usually a lot of times I get a chance to actually demonstrate several of these live. But we can't demonstrate fires here today live. Okay, so... You know, I usually do several of them live, and and uh, a lot of times I, I learned this one little trick from from a fire extinguisher salesman in a piece of steel wool and a nine volt battery. He says everybody's got a kitchen drawer, this their junk drawer, and stuff goes in there, and you slide the junk drawer, and all you do is you take that nine volt battery and you touch it, and this thing is glowing. You blow it hard, and it'll ignite all kinds of stuff. And there have been a lot of houses that burned down just because of that, okay? So we're not going to touch on that today except for what I just did. But then we've got spark, okay? That's the way the old mountain men used to do. And uh, even back before them, there was techniques. And hopefully I won't talk too much. We'll have time. Ray can show us how to do some of the really old type of fire. Something you can't do if you go to the other schools, they tell you, you know, you can't make fire with two stones. Well, if we have enough time, we'll have Ray go ahead and do that for us, okay? And uh, then we're going to get into the friction fires, 
Uh, compressed air, we're going to show that one too. Okay. Friction fires are the hardest ones to do, and they're the hardest ones to learn. And so people say, well, then how come you teach them? Well, <clears throat> if you're out there and you don't have anything, those are probably the ones that you're going to be able to find materials to make, is the friction fires. And so we teach those. And uh, I have a bunch of stuff out on the table after we're all done for show and tell, and you can kind of look things over. So, but we're going to do a lot. And again, remember Matthew 6.33. It's a promise that Jesus gave us. And uh, he will take care of his people. And if he gives us a chance to learn, we should do that. Okay, first thing you have to do if you're going to do a fire is you've got to have some tinder. You've got to have something that you're going to set on fire. And when we do fires, we do them in stages, okay? especially a matchless fire. You're going to start out with one thing, and you're going to move that to another, and so on. You're going to maybe catch a ray of the sun on something, and it's just smoldering. And then you're going to increase that until you actually get to flame. Sometimes multiple stages. You know, If we get a chance ray, it actually takes three stages for him to get flame. All right, so <clears throat> anyways, we're going to do it in stages. And sometimes our tinder bundles are set up that way as well. You know, well, we're going to see how we can get some of these little tops out here. They're all fluffy. And uh, cattails, you guys know cattails. When the cattail fluff goes, it goes, and it's done. Well, you got to have that sitting on something else, and when it goes, then it ignites that. See, so you got stages. And then that will ignite something else. We'll blow that into a flame, so. So anyways, we're going to do stages, and uh, I set up a little sheet of notes for me, and I left it at home. <laughs> so, so anyways, I've done this over and over and over again, we'll just see. Uh, so anyways, we're going to do a bunch on the screen today, because, uh, you know, that can cover some ground, but again, there's so much more. So this will give you a good idea. This is our tinder section. I want to show you different ways of getting tinder bundle made to catch a fire. Do not remember we talked about how to do matchless fires in stages. And there are many uh, things that you can use out there in Mother Nature to actually build a tinder bundle. And what you're trying to do is make some really small, like almost hair even, and um, one of the easiest ways is just a piece of cedar. And you can take cedar bark, and you can fray it up, and that makes a really nice tinder bundle. It'll catch very nicely. Make a bundle like that. Um, sometimes you can find dead trees. These are the aspen type trees here. And uh, when they're dead and the bark's just about ready to fall off, the inside layer, which cedar does that as well, will uh, end up making really good fiber. And you notice how this is fraying apart. And what you'd end up doing with this is kind of, you can even cut it off there. <clears throat> and then you tear these apart like this. Make sure they're dry. If they're not, you got to set them in the sun. Then you can roll them in your hands. 
help bring them down to a really small flavor. Keep rolling that. And that could work pretty good for a tender bubble. <coughs> there are times when you can use a, a pounding technique. Now this is Here's the uh, oak bark. And you get oak bark and you got the crusty outside. And then you got this campion layer on the inside, this layer here. And that layer you can actually use a pounding technique. You know, right now that's not a really good uh, tinder bundle. But you can actually take and pound it separate those fibers. situation we may not have char cloth and you got to have a fire in order to make char cloth so is there things that are out there in mother nature that we can use in place of the char cloth and the answer is yes there are two fungi that grow it's very helpful this one right here is called the horse's hoof fungus and this fungus here you'll notice that this is the part that grows to the tree, and this is the bottom part. And then on top, we got this really crusty layer. And this crusty layer, once we cut that away, we find this really soft, chamois-type layer. See how that, with just my fingernail, and once it's dry, I can fray that up. And that is an excellent tinder as well for even catching sparks. And uh, that works pretty good on that stuff. And that little layer, you know, is usually not very thick. As you can see here, that it's only about that thick. And uh, what I've done uh, here is I've actually cut away the 
across the surface. And I've cut away the underneath part. And this is the good stuff right here. And this is what you use. Now, this works pretty good too. You can find some that's a little more flexible. We'll let him zoom in on this if I tear it. A lot of times it will tear apart with, with a frayed end. See how that looks like frayed end there. And those are really good. You can use that the same way you would use charcoal. Flint and steel fire. These will catch sparks quite well. Okay. You can use this in solar as well. It'll catch the suns of the rays of the sun and do pretty good. My actual favorite for solar is another fungi. And this uh, here grows on white birch. And when you look at it, and we'll show you how to go harvest this here on this section here uh, in Tinderwood. We'll go harvest some of this. But when you see it, it's going to look all black like that. It's, it looks charred. And that's just the way it grows. Now the good stuff that we're going to use is on the inside, and it's this light brown stuff. And if you go over to the solar section, you'll see I light several, uh, several of these chunks of chaga and uh, get them going with the sun in different ways. And so this, this is the sweet stuff here. And so we'll show you how to get all of that. Uh, <clears throat> there are other things you can use as well. A lot of times these will be a, a second stage that you'll have to go to a third stage as well. This is a, a thistle top here. Any plant that makes these fuzzy things, you can use the fuzzy things and they'll catch spark really well. Everybody's familiar with, with the milkweed and that works pretty well as well. And a lot of times though they go really fast so when they catch they very quick, you got to have a, a third stage to go with it. <clears throat> I want to show you, you know, it's good to go out and actually make tinder bundles so that you can learn how to do it. But, uh, and that's good to practice those. But a lot of times you want to practice your fire. And if you just want to practice your fire, I did a demonstration, I was teaching up at a camp one night. And I did 27 fires in one day. Well, if I had to go out and find 27 tinder bundles. It would take me a lot of hours just to do that. And so if you want to practice your fire, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go to your hobby store and you're going to go to their macrame section. And this is macrame rope here. The macrame rope is jute, which is a plant fiber. And so it behaves itself just like all this other stuff that you're going to find out there. And so if you want to practice your fires, this is the way to do it. Go get some macrame rope. And then I usually cut it into lengths, uh, eight, six to eight inches or so. And then, like we mentioned in our talk on, on fires themselves, you want a lot of edges. And so I go ahead and separate these down to the smaller parts here. And then I roll those so that they open up and then I usually give them just a little tug and then I can fray those into what looks like a hairball okay so we gotta
three of those up like that. Now when I get that whole piece done, this is what it's going to look like here. And I use these to practice my fire. I use these to demonstrate. And so these are pretty good little pieces here. You can use that. Okay. Usually what I do with the chaga is I'll harvest a bunch. And then I'll just get some of the best stuff. And I'll throw it in a bag and then I have that ready to go. So what we want to do now is, is actually go and show you how to harvest the chaga. And then we'll also show you one of the ways that I found easiest to, to get these as well, these horsehead fungus. So we'll go ahead and do that. Actually, we're not going to do that. <laughs> okay, we're going to... Take a look at how to do a fire set. Okay, a lot of these things you're gonna have to put all your skills together to actually get some flame. And when you get to that point, you want that flame to go ahead and work. And uh, if your fire set that you've set is poor, you can lose it, and then you gotta go all, through all the work again to get flame again. So it's very important to actually, well, I dealt with the Pathfinders for a lot of years, and uh, we had an event where they had to come in and, and their, their group, you know, they had to actually take and go find materials, and they had one match, and they had to set their fire and burn a string off. There were times when clubs were there for a half an hour and still couldn't burn the string off. Okay, so <clears throat> this is very important to learn how to set a fire. Show you guys how to uh, set a fire, and it'll give you the best possible chance of success. Um, moisture is one thing that'll definitely make you fail. Uh, another possible thing is cold ground if we're up there. And, in Alaska or Canada or something, and we're in 65 below, the ground is really cold, and that alone can cause failure of getting your fire going. So what I want to do is actually show you um, things that you can do that will give you the best possible chance of getting a fire. And what we do to um, wet ground, now here we got a little pit made, but you don't have to, you can just move all the stuff that's going to combust away and uh, <clears throat> if the ground is wet now like we've had a lot of rain around here and this ground is pretty wet but uh, what you're going to do is you're going to make yourself a little platform you want dry wood for that and the best way to get dry wood is to get something that's dead that's standing and if the ground if the wood is on the ground it'll soak up moisture and it'll totally fill the piece of wood with moisture and that's not good. But if you get something that's in the air, then that dries out. Now, sometimes you'll get rain, and the rain will end up, you know, even if you rained all day, you'll get wet on the outside. Now, if that's the case, you can go ahead and shave these down and get to the drier stuff. And so that's what you would do if you were in that situation. So I like to make a platform because then that ends up being a barrier to 
guy stuff. <clears throat> so here we'll have a platform. Now the platform not only is a insulation between whatever's in the ground, it also does another thing in that it allows air to come into your fire. It gives channels so that, that can take place. And uh, Another thing that'll happen is if you build your fire right on top of these, these will start burning and become coals for you yeah, fairly quickly. And so that's helpful as well. So <clears throat> I always do a platform. And then you want all your materials here together. And one of the things I can't stress strong enough is to have lots and lots of very small dead twigs. And then from there, then you want to go ahead and go to your larger, and then larger, and then actually get into your big stuff. And so that's the way you're going to do your fire. And you want them all here ready to go before you start. Because once you start, if you do it right, this thing can be in a fire in just a matter of a few minutes. So <clears throat> what we'll do is we'll, uh, we'll go ahead and start one here. We'll try. We're going to do a matches fire. I'm going to do a ferro rod this time. And uh, I'm going to show you how you can use uh, birch bark. Now you'll remember over in our talk on fire, we told you that edges start easier than surfaces. And right here we got a lot of surface. So we need to make a bunch of edges. And so that's what I'm going to do here is make a bunch of edges. And I usually cut this like this. Let 
builds, then we add the bigger and bigger, and then all we need is a little bit of time and, and the marshmallows. Ferro rod, ferro serum is, they've been around for a long time, the cigarette lighters, that's ferro serum in there. <clears throat> and they, they make these rods, and I, I encourage everybody to get one and just put it in your pocket. I've got one in my pocket right now, but I was going to try and dig it out, but I didn't want to disturb our stuff. That's all right, Dan. No. Um, <clears throat> you know what? You can get them, you can get them a lot of places. And uh, actually, I got a box of them. Maybe I'll bring them and make them available. But <clears throat> if you got one of those and you just carry it in your pocket, if you get in a survival situation or when the Holy Spirit says it's time to go, fire becomes a whole lot easier if you got one of those. You know, you you can get them wet and you still can get fire out of it. You know, try that with a box of matches, right? Um, you know, a lot of your camping stores are carrying them now, your magnesium block and stuff like that. And you can get them on the internet, but you got to watch. Um, some of them will sell them really cheap. Okay, a couple bucks. But you got to look at the fine print because it'll say slightly used. Well, how much is slightly used? <laughs> you know, so you got to watch that, okay? That is not a flint and steel. Okay, we'll show flint and steel a little bit. Flint and steel is actually flint and a, a piece of rock, a flint, and a, a high carbon steel. Yeah, that was a ferro rod, ferro serum. They got a lot of different names for them, fire rods and stuff. Here's another little cool little thing. And uh, the way they used to do this a long time ago, it was done over in areas that have bamboo. Well, I'm from Michigan, we don't have bamboo here, but probably the closest plant that we like bamboo is this Japanese knotweed. And bamboo grows in sections. Well, this Japanese knotweed does too as well. And so it will help us understand somewhat how they did that. And you can see this is a little longer piece and you can see these segments like this. And what they would do is they would take and they would cut off a segment and they would have the hollow part on one end one section that was still connected on the other. So here's our hollow part here. And then they would have the end that was solid. And then what they would do is they would take this and they would drill a hole in the bottom like we got here. And what they would do is they would grab some tinder, some really small tinder. And a lot of times they would use an old dried punky wood and things like that. <clears throat> they would put it on a rock, on a smooth rock. They would take the, the little hole that they had and they would put that right over the top of that. And then they would have another one, another piece of bamboo that, that they would take and they would wrap a rag around the end. They would smear some fat on there for lubrication. They would stick that in the end and so really tight. Then they'd take a rock and they'd smack it. 
And what happens when you compress air fast and hard, it will actually flash. It will burn up the oxygen in the So when they did this, and they would smack it, this would flash in here, and then they would pull it apart, pull it off, their tinder here would be smoldering, and then they would take that, put it in their tinder bottle, and blow that into the flame. And uh, fire pistons is what they're called today. Now, a German engineer by the name of Diesel, he uh, saw one of these in action, and that's what gave him the idea to go and design the diesel engine. Now, today we have modern ones. Now, if you want to make a fire piston, they have plans on the internet. And, uh, this is one that I put together uh, quite a few years ago. And you can, this one actually, you can do them out of plexiglass, you can do them out of woods. Some guys will do them out of a horn or an animal. This is an old maglite. Uh, take the maglite apart and just work on it. <clears throat> you can store charcoal on the top. And this is the piston here for each wood. Facility on the plans exactly what you get from the hardware store. And this fits in here. And then you can turn this up right now and smack it. End up having your tinder in there and you're good to go. So, this one does work and it's fairly cheap. So, if you want to make one, you can do that. Look on the internet. Fire pistons plans. Nowadays, we got companies that make them. This one's kind of a Cadillac. And so, what we do is we have, we have the cylinder part of the hole here. And uh, then we have this part, which is called a piston. Now the piston is going to have a seal on it. This one's an O-ring. Some of them will use O-rings. Some of them will actually use some string and go around there. Now you need to actually lubricate that. And one of the things I found that works really well is a chapstick. And you just take the chapstick and kind of smear it on there. You don't have to do it every time. And get some of that on there and then you can work it with your finger. And it works as a real, real good uh, lubricant for these things. Now in the very end of this, you're going to have a dimple. This one's carved in there. Right now I've got that dimple full of charcoal. You can use different things, uh, fungi and stuff, you know, the chaga that we talked about, or in our tender section. Also, you could use the horse of fungus that we talked about. There's a lot of little things out here that are dry that you can get to ignite with one of these things. And so, right now we're going to use charcoal, and uh, the object is to, we're going to put this together, and we're going to smack it. And uh, inside here, they have a flash, and hopefully we'll get our charcoal going. Turn them on. 
complaint from that tenor people. So that's the idea. That's what we're going to do. We'll see how many times it takes before I actually get this to go. A lot of times I get it one. It's a pretty good one here. So let's uh, see if we can get fire from compression. There we go. Little fire there. Do you see that on the end? We'll go ahead and put that into our tinder bottle. And we'll see if we can blow this into a flame. There we go. We got fire compression. And uh, what you do is you have your other pieces ready to go. As soon as you got fire, you put them into your really small stuff and then work to the bigger and bigger until you had your fire built. And so at this point, you get to go practice. There we go. <clears throat> Here's one of the things we can do with the sun. Now, a lot of us have played with a magnifying glass, and that works. And this is along the same line, only it's the other way around. And uh, you may have a flashlight. This is our fire series. We're going to show you how you can make a fire using the sun. Most uh, survival situations are day hikers or hunters that get lost. And a lot of them will have a flashlight with them. We can actually make fire using your flashlight. The lens here, we're going to use one of those. And See if we can do a fire here with it. <clears throat> what I want you to notice is the bulb here. Right there, that filament, that's the sweet spot for this thing. That's the way they've engineered this. That's right where you want your tinder. We're going to use a piece of tinder fungus or chega. And we're going to see if we can get that going. I'm going to go ahead and take this bulb out of here now. Set that down here. That's where you want your tinder to sit. It's right there where that bulb was. Now I use I use these rings here, if you can look inside and I can move this. You can use the rings to tell where you're in focus or not. And when I get this, draw those rings right down there and the minute I hit it, you get it focused just right. I get this started, then we gotta let that grow a little bit. And as it grows, I'm gonna put it in this boot, uh, jute bundle here. That'll get hot here pretty quick. And then we'll try and blow that into a flame. From the sun. Now everybody's going to go tear their flashlight apart and go try that out, right? Yeah. Okay. Let's uh, let's look at spark. 
We're just giving you a little taste of the different areas. This one's a little longer here, so we'll get that one going here. This is our fire series again. We're uh, going to look at how to make fire from a spark. And we've got a couple different ways that that can be done from modern type of man-made stuff on over to the old uh, primitive skills. And uh, we'll look at first the uh, new one that, well, it's not really that new, it's been out for a long time. It's called the Feral Rock, Feral Series. Uh, and uh, it's man-made metal, and it, it actually gets very excited when you scrape it off. And you can get different grades of this. This one's a military grade, so those sparks are about 5,000 degrees. And you can get them on down to the lower grade ones that are about 3,500. And that's still pretty hot spark. And you can do a, light, a lot of different materials with these things. And uh, <clears throat> we'll, we'll touch a little one off here. There's one that you can get in uh, a lot of the camping stores and even in like Meyer and Walmart. This is a magnesium block. And the, the idea with magnesium block is you scrape off a pile of magnesium. The magnesium, once it starts, you just can't get it to stop. And then a lot of them will have a ferrule rod on the other side of it. And you use the ferrule rod to go ahead and get the magnesium started. So that's a little handy a little way as well. And some people will put them on their keychain and uh, have them there. So this one I'll put a little hook on and I hook it to my belt. And when I need it, I'll unhook it, use it, and then it goes right back on my belt. And the nice thing about these is, even if you get them wet, you can still get fire from them. So they're really handy. They're good to have. And uh, I'll show you a little bit here. We'll see if we you never guarantee a matchless fire. We'll see if we can just touch them off. I mean, it works really, really easy on these, as you can see. Now there's quite a few different things you can touch off with a spark. We're going to later on get into the flint and steel, which the mountain men used to use. But <clears throat> when you get into our tinder section, you'll find out how to actually find and, and use these different fungi that grow on white perch and beech. And uh, this horse hoof fungus in this section underneath that. This is the chaga. This stuff's really good. That works really well. You can uh, also use for spark these. This right here I harvested the other day. It's tops to the thistle that grows. And that will grab a spark through it really easy. And then <clears throat> everybody's familiar with the cattail top. That works as well. And these are just some of the things. Any of the plants that create that fuzzy stuff can be used. And so uh, just keep that in mind as you're out looking. And a lot of times with fuzzy stuff, you're gonna need something else right behind it, some really lightweight grasses or something. Yeah, because they'll go and they'll go in a hurry, but they can set something else off and it works pretty good. <clears throat> so these feral rods, a lot, of, a lot of different names for them, fire steels and 
and some people call them a flint rod. And so there's just numerous names for them, but they're actually made out of ferro serum, and so I always just call them ferro rod. <coughs> the old primitive guys that would do spark would be your old mountain men, and they would do the, what they call a flint and steel fire. And in order to, the pieces for that would be a steel, this is steel here, it has to be high carbon steel, and it has to be hardened. And the old blacksmith, you know, if you can find a blacksmith, a lot of them still know how to make these. Um, you can use an old uh, file as well, those work. But uh, the old blacksmiths, they, they still know how to make these strikers. So go, go catch them from there. You can get them on the internet as well. Uh, a lot of times they're a little more expensive on the internet than what blacksmiths are. Well, then you have the other piece, it's called flint. Now, flint, we have uh, flint from different areas, and flint from different areas actually has different colors. And uh, this flint here is a, a white color, and it actually came from Ohio. And then another section of Ohio where it gets uh, closer over there to uh, Missouri and uh, you know, Indiana and stuff, it'll start turning this color. And then when you actually get down into the lower parts and even uh, near Kentucky and Tennessee and over to Missouri and Arkansas, it all gets this orangey type color to it. And then uh, usually when you get down near Arkansas uh, and Missouri border, sometimes you'll start finding it where it's turning black color. And uh, this is actually Kentucky black here. And uh, Kentucky black had a little sparkles in it. And this is Oregon here. This is another black. Now, uh, flint doesn't always look this color when you first see it. You notice that the outside stone of this one was all white, but then when you break inside, then you find the flint. And this is one that I got out of Missouri, and you can see that it's all orange. And uh, you see this section here is actually our flint. And uh, you can break this up quite well to do stuff with. Now, <clears throat> I do have a piece of flint here, and uh, this one actually came from Africa, and their, uh, their flint is white and red, and this uh, African flint actually works better than what I've got here in the United States. And what it happens is, is the, the carbon that's in the steel mixes with the silica that's in the stone. Now the stone has to have silica. Not every stone is going to spark. But flint has a lot, so it works really well. We also have uh, agates that can work. Quartz can some as well, but it's a really short spark and short-lived. So you got to be pretty lucky right now. And, uh, so flint and steel works quite well. Well, we need something else as well. And uh, the mountain men used to use what we call char cloth. You know, if you go over our tinder section, you'll uh, see char cloth and you'll even see how we can make it. The char cloth is basically a, a uh, cloth, mostly cotton, that's been charred and it's been starved for oxygen as we do that. And uh, you can see how we do that over there in that section. We'll go ahead and See if we can get a flint and steel fire going. 
And uh, a lot of times I'll carry mine in my bag and the pieces will break up. And so I'll just take some of the broken pieces that are too small and I'll just stick them in my tinder bundle. And uh, you'll see tinder bundles over in that other area as well. Then uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a piece of this. I'm going to set it right near the edge of my flint. And I forgot to show you the Michigan flint. I'm from Michigan. And we're in Michigan right now. Michigan flint ranges a little bit in color from a whitish gray, kind of like an eggshell, to even a little darker. And then there's even some in Michigan that's like this. And uh, this one here I found right over there in the rice store. And uh, I have made fire with that. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to stick this right on the edge of this piece of flint. And then you want to take your steel and you want to strike that in such a way that you make sparks. Now, <clears throat> I always teach everyone when they start to do this to uh, actually start from their ear when you strike. You want, if you start from your ear, then you'll get a good strike on it. And uh, they tend to, when, when you first start, you tend to just take a short stroke and you end up just scratching the stone. And that doesn't do it very well. One of the things I like to do is, you know, get a good strike and start from your ear. And then I like to, if you zoom in on this, I like to pick a sharp edge, especially a point like that point right there. If you hit those, they tend to spark better. And uh, so what we're going to do is we're actually going to strike this and make sparks. Now, depending on how lucky I am as to how many strikes it takes before we get one of those sparks to hit the chart cloth. When it hits the chart cloth, it's going to start the chart cloth to go ahead and burn. And when that happens, then I'm going to go ahead and put it in my tinder bundle. And then uh, we'll wrap it inside, and then we'll see what we can do about blowing that into a flame. And uh, so we'll try a flint and steel. This is the way the mountain men used to do. Now, for their tinder, as they would, they would have a pouch that they would keep inside their pocket. And as they were doing their walks during the day, they would be looking for old bird's nests that weren't being used, and they would take the inside of that. They would find uh, mouse nests if they ran across some of those work well. And uh, you can find old dead trees where the bark is ready to fall off, and you can strip that off, and you can pull strips from the inside of that, and you can make tinder that way that rolled it up. So I'm going to use the jute. We'll talk about that over there in the tinder section. So we'll see if we get a flint and steel fire, and then we'll talk about one that. Uh, schools across the United States say you can't do, and that's how to make fire from two stones. So let's see if we can get a flint steel fire going here. Let's see how lucky I am. Okay, I got some started here right in the corner. And uh, see that little glowing red there. And transfer that over here before it burns my fingers. Let's see if we can blow this into a flame.
our fire from flint and steel. And uh, I do want to talk a little bit because even prehistory before, the mountain men were doing flint and steel. We know that from the history records that they used to use what we call iron pyrite or fool's gold. Zoom in on that. And this is fool's gold here. And they would use flint and fool's gold together. And when you strike those two together, you'll get a spark. And the spark is, is not very bright and it's not real hot. It's not as hot as what these other things. But they used to drop these into uh, different types of fungus that we have here, and they were able to actually get the fire going. Now, my pieces are too crumbly. I'm going to have to get some more. Sometimes you can get the stuff in harder form like this, only this is too small for me to hang on to and still strike it. And uh, sometimes you can find it embedded in other rock, like this is. And I've gotten some bigger pieces like this, and the drawback was I used some charcoal. And I was striking, I was getting sparks, and I dropped sparks down on my charcoal, and it would start. And then the dust from the other stone, part of the stone, would go down there and put it out. So <clears throat> I am going to continue. I've seen Ray Mears, you can see him on the internet. I've seen him make fire with us twice. And so, even though they teach you across the United States, anyways, that you can't make fire from two stones, you can if you use iron pyrite and a piece of flint and a good timber. And so, this is our section on fire from from a spark. Okay, we're gonna <clears throat> demonstrate the bow drill here. And uh, one of the reasons why I do bow drill is because here in Michigan, our humidity is really high all the time. We're surrounded by all the lakes. And so this is the actual uh, method that the Indians in this area chose to make their fires, was a bow drill. There are a lot of different friction fires that we could do, but this is the one that they chose, and so this is one I like to demonstrate in this area. And uh, so we'll look at bow drill, and then we may have enough time to to see uh, Ray go ahead and make a uh, fire with two stones. Okay, we're going to see if we can do a bow drill fire here. And here's uh, what I was talking about. I actually put my tinder underneath. You're going to want to separate it. It's really humid. We have 70% humidity here today. So this is going to be one of those times that's going to be harder than the other times. So I'm also using something as a barrier between the ground because we had a lot of rain. And this ground is really moist. If I put my tinder right on it, it'll suck that moisture out of the tinder. And it's almost nil then to get the, get the fire going. So <clears throat> what I want to do is show you, when you load these, you want to spin these in. And what I want you to see is that the spindle is on the outside of the string. I could load it the other way, and if you do that, it ends up rubbing on the on the bow itself, and you have a lot more friction than what you what you want. The friction you want is right there. You don't want any other friction. Any other friction just makes this even harder. And there's a lot of work to this. You know, you'll when you learn how you end up sweating and stuff 
And uh, so the friction yuan's right there. And uh, one of the things I do is uh, on this end, um, if you have it totally flat, you get a lot more heat. And uh, if you have a higher or a, a, a greater angle on this, then it'll drill more. So <clears throat> if you drill more, you get a lot less heat. And so what you want to do is try and find the optimum angle so that uh, you don't drill too much, but <clears throat> you also have heat. And if you had it all the way flat, what'll happen is it won't it won't stay put. It'll track off and stuff. You end up wandering away from your notch, and then your your coal that you're trying to build will, will build up around the outside edge, and, and it won't work. So there's an actual there's an actual threshold there, and I find about you know 15 to 30 degrees is a good little angle to do these on, and about like that, and so. That's one of the things you're going to be looking for as well. When I do this, my arm is, even though I got a pretty good sized arm, it is not strong enough to hold this. And so what I end up doing is I end up using my knee. And I'm going to put my foot on here like this. And I end up using my knee and my arm to hold this thing in place. Because there's a lot of pressure on this drill. And so what we'll do now is we'll go ahead and see if we can get a coal built. And... Uh, we're going to leave it in the socket until we actually see red. If we get that point, we'll go ahead and pull it out of there, and uh, we'll see if we can blow it into a flame. Now my tinder's sucking up moisture from the air. We'll see what we can do, though. And, uh, okay. All right, now at first, I'm just going to hold it here. Warm that socket up. And now I'm going to start bearing down. Got some smoke started. Long strokes. Gently. There we got fire from friction. There's a bow drill fire there. That was really tough. You'll notice I almost lost that call, even though it was in the socket. The humidity here was really trying to put that thing out. And so <clears throat> when you do these, just go ahead and try that trick because it just helps you out. You know, leave it in the notch, 
in this, in, until it actually shows up red. And then you'll have a lot more success than, uh, than running in those other troubles. There are so many things that can make this go wrong. Just that little bit will help you so much more. So there's a fire by friction. Uh, <clears throat> usually the little softer stuff if you you could do it with oak but you got to bear down on there and peel off dust you know so your really hard stuff you know that's going to make you work a lot so <clears throat> you know cottonwood works really well and we got that where we're at you know i've done it with cedar and i've done it with aspen uh, family and stuff and so you know i got a lot of that around um, I was told way back when I was younger, I was told, well, you can't do it with pine. And uh, <clears throat> and so I just took their word at it. Well, then I was teaching some people up in the UP, and I went up there, and here they are using pine, and they were getting some fire. And I thought, whoa, wait a minute. Now, I was told you couldn't do it because of the pitch. And then I got thinking about it. Well, maybe they couldn't do it because it was their technique. It wasn't. The material they were using, you know, so so there's a lot of. I think you could probably do it with just about any wood, but those harder ones are going to make you work a lot harder in order to do it. So, <clears throat> okay, let's see. Fire from two stones. This is Ray Mears here, and we have just enough time to see that, and then we'll do a few question and answer, and then we'll head out to the table because we got a lot more out there that. What I've got here is a little bit of horse's hoof fungus, which occurs on dead birch trees in the in Scotland, and uh, I'm just fraying that up, ready for making fire. my tinder. It's very fine. It comes up like cotton wool. And what I need to do is to generate a spark to drop into this to get this to catch light and start smoldering. To make the spark, I'm going to use a method that we know was used in prehistory. I'm going to use this. It's one of those nodules of iron parietes I collected earlier. Remember I said that nobody's really certain how it's formed. Well, my favourite story came straight from the mouth of a professor of geology, no less, is that it could even be the blood of dinosaurs. Well, that might be unlikely, but that's my favourite story without a doubt. And I reckon they must have been dragons because you get good sparks off of this. It's an interesting material with a new nodule of this, newly collected. That brown colour is an oxide layer. It's like rust on the surface. And I've got to scrape back behind that before I get decent sparks. Now... To strike this, I'm going to use a piece of flint. And I've got a, a blade here I struck off earlier. Ah, I can start to smell a slight burning smell. It smells like a <clears throat> cigarette lighter. And that's a good sign. It means I'm getting sparks. Now, the sparks that come off of this are very small and they're very low temperature, they're dull red colour. So sometimes you can't always see them in daylight. You can get that smell of burning, you know you're getting somewhere. Of course, if you're using this every day, 
on a regular basis, it's very quick because you don't have much oxide layer built up. I'm getting a good smell of burning now. That's good. There we go. There's one in there now. It takes a while. Wonderful thing about this tinder is it's so combustible. Wonderful. And that's just going to grow now. The, you can see there's a bit of a breeze here. So I've brought another fungus with me. This is a King Alfred's cake, of a, a cramp ball, it's another name of an ash tree, Daldinia concentrica. And this is wonderful for fire lighting. If I break this in half, you can see all these concentric rings in the middle. If I ignite this, it'll burn like a charcoal briquette. And I could have ignited it with one of these sparks, but it's more certain with this really fluffy tinder here. So I'll add that to that and get that to all to catch light now, let's see. That's good. Now, what I'm going to do with that is I'm going to put that into bracken. can't do that, by the way. At least the rest of the schools tell you you can't do that. But <clears throat> Ray's one of those that he can do it anyways, you know. So he's a pretty awesome guy. He knows a lot of things. And very good talent. So, <clears throat> well, did you guys see anything today that you'd never seen before? Okay. You just get a little flavor of the different areas that you can make fire. And then in these areas, with the exception of compressed air, there are all different kinds of things you can do in each area. And so today we could just kind of, like I said, just wet your whistle, you know, give you a little scratch on the surface on what can be done. And uh, so <clears throat> we have just a few minutes. We could take some questions. Yeah? Okay. No. Uh, it does grow in the UP. I've seen it up there, Japanese knotweed. Actually, uh, uh, it's an edible plant, okay? <clears throat> and uh, uh, anybody here like uh, asparagus? Anybody like lemon juice on their asparagus? You would love Japanese knotweed, because that's what it tastes like, <laughs> okay? And when you see it come up in the spring, you're gonna wanna harvest it right away because it'll grow about two foot every week. So, yeah, it, it really goes. So, but <clears throat> right now you're going to find it about this tall. 
It's going to have long things and it's going to have little white flowers coming out the bottom. And uh, so, and just, just before this period, you could actually cut the stalks, shave them down, cook them, and use it for a rhubarb substitute. Okay, see, now we're getting into, into well, tomorrow's actually, tomorrow's food, isn't it? So, so anyways, any other questions? Oh, Dan's got a microphone. Got a mic. Yeah. Testing. Okay, we got a question here. Needles. Do they smoke too much for tinder or um, what? Usually, one of the things I didn't get a chance to. Uh, you're going to find, and usually what I'll do is I'll I'll take a piece of paper and I'll tear it off, and I have a big lighter, and I start the lighter, and then I tell you there's our first matchless fire. Okay. <laughs> And I tell you that surfaces, actually edges start easier than surfaces, okay? And so I'll take that flame and put it under the surface and I'll just walk right on off there at the same rate. And when it hits the edge, the edge will start, but the surface is not. So pine needles <clears throat> are not quite fine enough to, to go ahead and catch like you want them to. You can get them to go, but you know it's a little harder. So you wanna, you want to think about making your tinder a lot like hair because that's a lot of edges instead of surface. Okay? So keep that in mind. Edges start easier than surfaces. That's why I took that piece of birch bark and I cut it up. You know, it was a big surface at the beginning, but once I got done cutting it up, there was a whole bunch of edges. And then when I hit it with a spark, then it takes off. There's one, a couple of them back here. Um, well, actually, the one I had there, that was a Gerber. Um, right now I use one from, that uh, is uh, more like Ray Mears' style. If you go on online, you can, you can get Ray Mears' knives, but uh, <clears throat> there's uh, like $400 last time I checked, and in the crossover, and there's a 10-year waiting list. And so <clears throat> I found some from El Salvador that has the exact same shape that he has, which is great. And, uh, and you know, a lot, of, a lot of guys want this great big, huge knife. Well, when you start getting into a lot of this stuff and you're making things, you know, the bushcraft, they call it, when you're making things, those great big knives I found, for me, they're just too clumsy, and so I like a shorter knife, you know, and so I use those shorter ones myself. But I I always like a uh, a higher carbon blade knife. <clears throat> you can get high carbon, or you can get the stainless steel. Okay, the stainless steel won't rust, but it won't hold an edge near like what the high carbon does. And if I do have a knife, a high carbon blade, and uh, actually. Uh, you know, a wilderness survival guy when he carries a, a steel striker with him. Okay, but if I have my knife and I can find some stone that has silica in it, I can make fire with that. You know, but yeah, I carry a striker in one pocket, and then I carry a ferro rod in this pocket. <laughs> so, anyways, but that's kind of that was a Gerber there, but uh, Gerber, yeah, you know, Bear Grylls. 
the one that, that does a lot of those. But if you get the one that got his name on it, they're a lot more expensive. You were saying you wanted hair-like substances for tinder. So in a pinch, can hair be used as tinder? Use what now, Cinder? Use like your actual hair as tinder, like cut off a piece of hair and use you it. You know, it's hard to get hair to actually burst in a flame, but it could smolder and get something else going. Actually, what I would do is take my knife, stretch my pants, and I would keep going until I got a bunch of lint. That goes pretty quick and pretty easy. Okay, You can dig in your pocket and maybe pull some out. Okay, so that's still something too. All kinds of stuff. Can you use one of them Gerber knives and then um, a flint, like a rock, a flint rock? Yeah. And, uh, and the Gerber knife? If, if it's a high carbon blade, then you can get, get the, and what you're gonna wanna do is you got your sharp edge, and it takes you a long time to get a nice edge on those, you know? So what you're gonna do is use the back side of the knife. You're gonna use the other end because then you're not wrecking your edge. Okay? As long as it's a high carbon blade and you got a rock that has silica in it. Okay? Flint does, we have some flint here in Michigan, but we also have you know, agate and we also have a lot of quartz and quartz has it in it as well. So, okay, we can take maybe one more and then we're gonna to have to close off because we got another group coming in. I see a hand over here there, Dan. We will do more question and answering out at the table, okay? One knife that I really like is Mora, and they're high carbon steel. Okay. Most of them. The one I have, it starts fires really well. <laughs> see, here we go. Yeah, the high carbon will hold an edge a lot longer, but it will rust, and so that's one of the drawbacks of that one. And that's why they started doing the stainless steel ones. And uh, so <clears throat> you can get the stainless steel, but you're not going to get a spark off of it if you needed it. Okay, so, and the, the edge will not stay on there as long. But the high carbon ones, you can get a nice edge, and they'll stay there a lot longer. But <clears throat> And you can use it to spark. But it does rust, so you got to take care of that. So, anyways, we need to go close off here, and then we're going to go ahead and move out to the table. I got a bunch of show and tell if you want to look over stuff. And uh, also, we got some DVDs if you guys are interested in those. So, let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for all these techniques that are still here, that we still know and can learn, and uh, that we may need in the uh, in the time of the end there. So help us to remember these things. Help us to practice these things. There's something you have to practice. So help us to give us time to do just that and help us encourage us to do that. So be with us. We thank you very much. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.